the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between as New Year's rapidly approaches. And uh, we're going to be throwing it down. We're going to be with you up until Wednesday night uh, here. Thursday, me and Cam are on game time decisions. We're going to have our own New Year's Eve party. Uh, we're going to be kicking it. And uh, we'll get you ready for all the big games. There's actually a college football game on New Year's Eve as well. And we're going to set the stage. It's, it doesn't. Isn't this year crazy, man? Like, in a way, it feels like it was just yesterday that it was March 11th and the pandemic hit. And everything shut down. You know, you had Utah, you had Utah and Oklahoma City playing tonight. And that's the game that changed the world. That was the first game that got shut down. You remember when that poor bastard Rudy Gobert was blamed for all of this? <laughs> like, like, like if you're Rudy Gobert, you gotta like you gotta be kind of happy in a way. Like you're totally off the hook. It's like at first they were like, Yeah, hey, good job, bro. You just single-handedly shut the NBA season down. And now it's like, yeah, 19 million people have gotten it. So, yeah, Rudy Gobert touching the microphone, like probably wasn't to blame when it's all when it's all said and done. But it's just crazy, man. Like, think it, that, it, that was like March 11th. Yet we've already had like NBA champions. The new season has started already. The NFL season, it feels like it was just yesterday we had a virtual draft. We're going into the final week right now. Um, man, 2020 is just whacked out. And 2021 is going to be whacked out uh, even more so. Uh, this wild card stuff is going to be crazy, loco style. Loco. Dallas Cowboys laying three points over the New York Giants uh, right now. Not a lot of love for the New York Giants uh, amongst the public or the betting markets uh, so far in this key critical football game. Point spread of the week that I do not understand right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers get seven points against the Cleveland Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers are still playing for something, people. The Pittsburgh Steelers are still playing for the two seed right now. All right? The Pittsburgh Steelers have not played good football down the stretch. You think they just want to roll over and let a division rival, Cleveland Browns, team in the playoffs? I don't understand this number. Why Why the Steelers are getting seven? Don't get this number. Late night anger, management class. This is sports rage. Ben rage. Bring it. Seriously. We do this 24 hours a day, every day. It's real. And it's here. We've got to come up with a better name for it than fantasy sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As you continue listening to Sports Grid, ask yourself and be honest. Am I listening enough? Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. the Buffalo Bills have swept the New England Patriots since 1999. Wow. <laughs> um, since 1999. Uh, I, uh, wow. 
That's that's crazy when you put that in perspective, just how long the, the Patriots have been uh, dominant. And, you know, that's the thing. And I said earlier, I'm not gloating as in, oh, you know, screw the Patriots. Oh, the Bills beat the Patriots. It has to be uh, be good to beat the Patriots. That's, the fact of the matter is, revenge, we'll get uh, deep uh, here with this, but revenge, revenge isn't like seeing, you know, your enemies fail solely. Like, basically, if if the Bills don't succeed further on, then who cares if they, they beat the New England Patriots right now, right? Like, too many people, like, it's the, you know, the, the negativity in people. Oh, you know, that feels good oh, to beat the Patriots. Like, no, it feels good to be good, right? That's like, it never, it really, like I said, I wasn't looking at Bilicek and out of spite and, oh, screw these guys every time we got a first down or a touchdown. I was just like, man, it's nice to see them peaking right now at this time. You know, the Bills have bigger issues than a New England Patriot team with massive problems uh, right now. But uh, Josh Allen with another dominant performance this evening. Stephon Diggs just continues to kill it. And I told, uh, I know Matthias was concerned, um, concerned last night. He told me that. He was worried that um, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs were going to combine for like 65 points or more. And from what I'm looking at here, yeah, from what I see here, they actually did. Stephon Diggs, 32 fantasy points. And uh, Josh Allen, 39 fantasy points. Absolutely crushed it, both these guys. I was beat soundly, viciously, beautifully, whatever you want to call it. But I'm second place. Uh, and the yeah, Josh Allen finishes with four touchdown passes this evening. Four touchdown passes. Yet, you know, the NFL this year is so competitive that it's so competitive that even as good as the Bills are right now, they've got to get ready for the Miami Dolphins now. The Miami Dolphins are up next. That's like, um, that's that's how... That's how competitive this is. As good as the Green Bay Packers are, they're in a must-win situation this week. Like I can't recall ever a year like this when there's been as many good teams um, in the National Football League uh, as there is right now. But as I was saying earlier, I don't understand this Cleveland Brown line. And yeah, I guess they're going to get some of these guys back, although you never know, right, with the COVID stuff. You never know. And... If Buffalo lose and Pittsburgh win, Pittsburgh are the two seed, and Buffalo's not the two seed. So that's that's what I'm saying here. As good as things have been for the Buffalo Bills, nothing is locked up for anybody. And I'm just surprised that a Cleveland Brown team that, quite frankly, I mean, people are forgetting. And I'm, I'm a Brown supporter. I mean, I've got no, um, like, I'm not one of these people that laughs at the Browns for the sake of laughing at the Browns. But the fact of the matter is, they are the Cleveland Browns, and it is Baker Mayfield. So not only are you asking Baker Mayfield, and you're saying, listen, Baker, you've got to win one game to get us into the playoffs right now. That's a big enough challenge for this kid. That's a big enough challenge for Baker Mayfield right now. And it's not like, oh, they'll be fine. Dude, you know, they hand the ball off to Nick Chubb a million times. The Jets stuffed it, right? So pressure is on Baker Mayfield to make plays. And and 
you know, it's not easy to win a National Football League game, you know, against a bad team to get into the playoffs. We've seen good teams lose against bad teams in the last week of the season, guys. All right. In this situation before. And now you compound this with, oh, yeah. So listen, Baker, we need you to win this game. But don't worry about it. It's an easy game. We're only playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. A team that is like, I don't know, 22 and one against us in the last like, you know, 16 years. <laughs> like, like what, what are the Pittsburgh Steelers record against the Browns? Like Mike Tomlin is literally like 24 and one against these guys, I think. I know he's never lost at home. Okay, I remember we talked about it earlier. He's like 20 and 0 at home or 17 and 0 at home against them. I know this game is on the road. So it's like, all right, Cleveland, it's not like, you know, if you're, if you are the, uh, the Tennessee Titans right now, it's like, listen, we got to win one game. Who are you playing? It's like, listen, we're playing the Texans. All right. These guys have quit. They've rolled over. Or if you're the, you're the Colts, we need to win this game today. Who are you playing? The Jaguars. We're 14 point favorites. The, 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 the Cleveland Browns aren't in that spot. They're not playing the Texans. They're not playing the Jaguars. They're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yeah, Big Ben Roethlisberger's arm is uh, is as shot as uh, Sid Vicious's was. But I don't care. We just saw them come back on the Indianapolis Colts. The Pittsburgh Steelers still have a good defense. And the Cleveland Browns are still the Cleveland Browns. So where I'm going with this is it's a big enough challenge on for the Browns just to win this game. I don't care if the Browns were playing... The Jags in this game would be a struggle for them to win. And you know what? They played the Jags a couple of weeks ago, and they won by two points only. So, and now, so it's like, yeah, you got to win the game, Baker. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's only Pittsburgh. Don't worry about it. And, oh, yeah, on top of that, you got to win the game by eight points, all right? I don't understand this number, man. I could be dead wrong. It's early in the week. I haven't pulled the trigger on this yet, but I I don't understand how the Browns can be seven-point favorites here. The Rams are one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. And this is an interesting situation right now where playoff spots are on the line here. Jared Goff, say what you will about Goff, but he is a tough-ass son of a bitch. And he played with the broken thumb. He didn't even, like, complain about it. As Chow said tonight, Dr. Chow said, no splint, no nothing, no tape. He just snapped it back and 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 sucked it up through the game. But now he had to have surgery. And he's not like 100% ruled out, as crazy as this is. And so, I don't know. Do they want Jared Goff, basically, you know, with a numbed-up thumb uh, out there? Or do they roll John Wolford out here? Uh, looks like Kyler Murray is going to be able to go. I know there's some hesitation about Murray, but I do have a lot of confidence in Dr. Chow's predictions when it comes to this stuff and chow said you can't rule goff out and and um basically the kyler murray will be fine and murray will play yet the rams are one and a half point favorites right now uh so wolford would be the quarterback and wolford played well like i've heard comparisons all wolford's one of these stiff guys just coming in off the street he's not a household name but yeah, I remember at the like the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl or whatever the hell, one of those college bowl sort of all-star games, he played well. And like NFL scouts liked him. And he ended up, of course, he's been kicking around, but he ended up on the, um, 
He ended up in the Alliance Football League, but he played well, very good in the Alliance League. So, and listen, McVay knows quarterbacks, so you've got to assume they've got some confidence in them, but I'm surprised about the point spread here. I mean, the Rams are kind of in a free fall, and I say free fall, they've lost two games in a row, but one and a half point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. Green Bay, we talked about it. The Packers need to win this game to hang on to their top seed. They're laying five and a half points. Like I said, man, real cool stuff in the NFL this week. Almost every game is like, you know, means something. Baltimore, Cincinnati means something. Dallas and the Giants mean something. Pittsburgh and Cleveland mean something. Tennessee and Houston mean something. Arizona and the Rams mean something. Packers and the Bears count. Colts and the Jags count. Saints, Panthers count. Seahawks, Niners count. Washington, Philly count. Indianapolis counts as well. Indianapolis steps up and then we hit the hardwood. Bring it. There's a pandemic going on out there. It's catchy. It's called The Winning Edge. And the only place you can get it is right here. Get on the grid and stay there. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't think of us as a place to just hear sports talk. Think of us more as an all-you-can-listen buffet of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gable Morenzi. Let's jump onto the hardwood right now with one of our favorite basketball guests, the Pete Yiannopoulos. RDS Television, former assistant with the UMass Minutemen, steps up and in. A lot of basketball news to get to. But before we step onto the court, Pete is a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan. And who would have imagined, Pete, going into Week 17, that the Dallas Cowboys would still have a chance of winning the division? Hey, man, I'm torn, Gabe. I'm torn. I wanted that top three pick. But, hey, one game away from the playoffs, we got to take it, man. Let's do it. I can't believe we're going to ask the Eagles to do us a favor, uh, but they're going to take care of the Redskins, and Dallas is going to be in the playoffs. Let's go, Tom Brady, first-round matchup, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the, the optimism. And uh, you know what? At this point in time, who knows what's going to happen in that division. But I actually do think Philadelphia will beat Washington, and then it's up to Dallas to handle their business against the New York Giants. Uh, but the Giants could throw a curveball uh, into everything. It's been a train wreck, this division. But when it's all said and done, it's an entertaining train wreck. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, growing up, this was the division in the NFL for really great teams. Uh, a little bit more tough times. Obviously, Dak Prescott, the injury, really set us back. This was a team that should have competed in the in the NFC, maybe even win a couple of playoff games. But, hey, man, D- Dalton's coming together. We're actually giving Zeke the ball, uh, running it, better play selection. Defense is coming through. Uh, anything could happen. The Jones kid's playing really well for the Giants. Who would have thought Haskins gets released? Oh, my God, what a division. The NFL is always exciting. 
Yeah, you know what? It, it was a train wreck, uh, but it's, it was so bad it was good, this division. You can't take your eyes uh, off of it. So let's jump into the NBA right now, Pete. And, you know, we're less than a week in, and there's already a ton of crazy stuff going on, and injuries uh, have hit. So as far as tonight is concerned, John Morant uh, taking off the court, um, you know, lands awkwardly on his ankle, and that's that's an understatement. And I always have a hard time telling. You know, like when you watch a quarterback go down and – you know, you can tell football injuries. Basketball, it's always tricky. It can seem harmless, and then a guy is out for four weeks or six weeks. Or it looks really bad, and then he's back after a couple of days. So it's tough to tell with John Moran exactly how bad it is, but it didn't look good, I'll tell you that. No, it did not look good. And, you know, there was the contest, and he landed awkwardly on his on his foot or, or the player's foot and then he just immediately couldn't put any pressure on it or limped or hopped all the way to the sideline or the baseline put in a wheelchair but he they put him in a big walking boot not like a little one and he went directly uh to the bench and he's sitting with his teammates down the second half so just a testament of what john moran is as a leader he cares about his teammates he's always playing at 110 percent. he gives all that effort so i think that there's no question about it he's going to be hopefully it's not going to be something that's very very um serious and i hope he comes back yeah well you know what i've that always um I've always had a problem with that. When when star players, I don't even care if it's a star player, but when a player gets hurt and they let him come back or he's walking around and you know, then you find out after, oh yeah, he needs surgery. It's like, oh yeah, so it was a great idea to let him walk around, right? <laughs> and, and stand on the sidelines or sit on the, on, on court side. And I remember like in, in the bubble, they had that big ramp. And I remember there was like injured players walking up the ramp on their own. I'm like, guys, like... You don't have a golf cart or, like, anything. Like, really? Like, maybe you can make the injury a little less worse by not walking up this 200-foot ramp uh, like a wrestler at WrestleMania right now. Um, so it's too bad, too, because John Morant's a good guy. And he said, Pete, he's tired of not getting calls. He said, I dealt with it because I was a rookie, but I'm not going to put up with it uh, anymore. Um, I don't know. He's going to find out that it's not just him. It's the team that he plays on. But welcome to the NBA. Yet he's a good kid, and I wish him the best. And it's sad to see because one of my favorite players in the NBA as well, and one of the cooler guys, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, now out for the year, torn ACL, brutal news for Brooklyn. As you know, yeah, they've got stars and stuff, but they need these role players. They need these depth guys to be part of a deep run. And Dinwiddie is so much better than uh, than people realize. Not a household name, but a hell of a player. No, you're absolutely right. He's he's so underrated and underestimated and, and probably undervalued uh, around the league. Uh, the Nets really see his value, and that's why Steve Nash and, and the coaching staff had him as a starter, right? They had him next to Kyrie, next to KD, because he's the perfect fit. He's unselfish. He can get a shot, but I think he, he's a two-way player, and this allows them to have Karis LeVert to get more shot attempts on that second unit. Now with the injury to Dinwiddie, who's out for the year, I just feel terrible for him. ACLs are so difficult, not only physically, Gabe, but mentally, because it, it takes it takes a minimum of, of eight months to be back, sometimes even takes longer. Uh, but this is going to really hurt the Nets and Brooklyn's depth and, and quality. As you mentioned, um, they're going 
going to have to, you know, tinker with that starting lineup. I think they liked Levert playing on that second unit, but I think ultimately Levert's going to have to slide in there. Maybe he doesn't start right away, but ultimately he'll always be closing games next to Kyrie and KD. But these are tough injuries and, uh, you know, short season, short training camp, not too many games. Uh, I hope it's not a trend, but we're seeing a couple of significant injuries to start the NBA season. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And is it is it a coincidence? It's too early, and every injury is different. It, it literally is. And, you know, we speak with Dr. David Chow, who's a longtime doctor in the NFL, 17 years with the Chargers. And we've talked, you know, a lot of injuries in the NFL this year. But is it because? What, what are the reasons? Was it because there wasn't training camp? Not necessarily. Sort of every injury is different, but... You know, players just going from zero to 60 and playing, you know, as intense as they are, um, you know, leads to, uh, you know, could lead to these injuries early. And it's just, it sucks because another player who is off to a great start and a guy who has has been to hell and back and a story that doesn't get enough attention, he doesn't get enough support, I don't think, and credit from the national media and from the average sort of dumbass fan in Carl Anthony Towns, in which, you know, his mother passes away from the coronavirus early in the pandemic. He's lost six other close relatives, you know, aunts, nieces, uncles, etc. Everyone like in his family is dropping from this thing. And it's tough on him. It's not like, oh, he's cool. He's an NBA player. He doesn't care that seven people died in his family. Um, it's killing him inside. He's obviously taking it hard. He was talking about how he's not the same person. He never will be anymore after what he's been through. But he's there for his team, and he was really manning up. People always said in the past that he had talent, but, you know, he wasn't intense enough. Too nice of a guy, so to speak. And he was playing such great basketball to start the season, and now he dislocates his wrist. It really sucks. It's tough. It's tough. And when you look at a player like him, right, he just played one year for Kentucky, number one pick. He goes to a franchise that, you know, let's be honest, there hasn't been a lot of success there. Um, and he's been a professional. He's he's battled through. He hasn't complained. He hasn't demanded a trade to get me out of there. Um, he's, he's, he's fought the course. He's played the course. And I think right now when you when you lose so many close loved ones in your life, uh, especially your mom. I mean, how can you really rebound from that? But he's decided to come out and be the consummate professional. Um, he's been a mentor to the young Anthony Edwards. Um, he wants to really get that, have that great chemistry with, with D'Lo and, and Russell. And I think that the good news here, Gabe, is that you know, it's not season-ending surgery, right? So I think the doctors and the medical staff believe um, a few weeks will help and heal, and then they'll come back. But he's a guy, and, you know, let's say things were different, right? Let's say he would play next to a LeBron James uh, or go play next to a Kawhi. Um, you know, how, how much better would a Carl Anthony Towns be? Uh, he's been forced to really, you know, hold the fort there in Minnesota. It didn't really work out with, with Andrew Wiggins. Jimmy Butler was there for a quick minute. But at the same time, they've been in him and I think he wants to stay I just hope that he can come back and be the player that we all anticipate that he will become because he's a dominant player he's represented the, the Dominican national team he's just a perfect perfect kid and uh, I wish him nothing but the best and a, and a speedy recovery it's a good point it's a lot about your supporting you know cast of characters that are around you the coaches being in the right position uh, at the right time and it clearly didn't work with Jimmy Butler there. But now we see Andrew Wiggins. And, 
you know, we've only got about a minute or two before this break, but I'm curious to your take because I know you've known Andrew Wiggins a long time. And Wiggins was able to fly under the radar in Minnesota, right? I mean, it's a hockey city to begin with, a hockey, football, etc. T-Wolves aren't very popular. No one talks about them nationally. So Wiggins could cash his check, you know, pat his stats, and, you know, and nobody really noticed. He's on the Golden State Warriors, and all it takes is a couple of games in prime time on TV, and people start calling him out for a lack of effort, shot selection, intensity, and he's going to find out early. And it's crazy because even though the Golden State Warriors aren't good, they're still a spotlight team, and Wiggins isn't handling this very well early in the season so far, Pete. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, I've always been an advocate of Andrew. I've known him since he was in high school. Uh, his high school coach is a good friend of mine. And, you know, Andrew works. Um, he comes across as somebody that doesn't give 110% and is a little bit lackadaisical, but he's put in the work the last two off-seasons. He's bulked up. He's gotten stronger. He's trying to, you know, to, to get his game where he can complement his athleticism. And I think he, he played well last year. Um, average almost 20 points a game, shot the ball better. His rebounds were up assists were up and then we thought okay here it is he comes to golden state he's going to play next to steph and clay he'll be the third maybe the fourth option and he'll just gonna you know he's just gonna fly but the clay injury happens and now there's that pressure yeah. right you know he's got to be that number two guy he's got to replace clay well he's he's the complete opposite of what clay is offensively um andrew likes to create off the bounce but i think you mentioned it right it, it's shot selection you know andrew's gotta get better shots up and he's gotta make better decisions with the basketball and he's got to use his athleticism on the defensive end to ignite transition opportunities for himself or his teammates um he played better against the chicago bulls last night hang in here pete for a second hey hang in here you're right he put up 19 points and he needed that performance sports range continues to be honest we should come with a warning label caution 24-hour sports talk may cause mild addiction get on the grid this is the sports grid radio network SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talking about sports. But talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Late night anger management class continues. I am Gable Morenci. We're throwing it down with RDS Television, former assistant coach with the UMass Minutemen. And we got to talk Calipari and Kentucky as well. Pete Yiannopoulos, our pistol Pete uh, Yiannopoulos. So we're just talking about Andrew Wiggins and his struggles early. And it's a good point that you raise because there are, there are oftentimes there are players in sports who don't appear Right. Like people think, oh, this guy could run faster or he could play harder. And it's, you know, it's hard to judge. You can't be in somebody's body and realize Wiggins just sort of makes it look easy. And I understand that. But at the same point in time, there's a different level of pressure on Golden State. As you know, you were saying he's supposed to replace Clay Thompson and sort of and sort of Kevin Durant as well. So it's like, yeah, there's no Durant. There's no Thompson. So now it's just, you know, you know, Curry and you and, you know, you're supposed to step up and that's not his role right now. It can't be easy on a new team, new city. I get it. He he had a little time to adjust last year, but 
you look at the Golden State Warriors as a whole, man, and the wheels are falling off early. Yeah, they're lucky they got that win last night. It looked like it could have been an 0-3 start. And, you know, just to conclude on Wiggins, he's got to be better. And he's not a bust. That's some media like to call him. You know, he's close to 20 points a game. The field goal percentage has got to get better, but the decision-making has got to improve. And I think that, you know, give him time. Steve Kerr had some nice words to say about Andrew post-game. I think that's kind of Kerr seeing that he did play better in game three of the season, but at the same time, he's trying to protect, you know, a young player who still needs, um, you know, a little bit more, you know, that public endorsement from his head coach who has the credibility that Steve Kerr has. Um, at the same time, Steph Curry's got to be better. Um, you know, here's a guy that's that's revolutionized the game, you know, arguably the best shooter that's ever lived. I still think it's Larry Bird, but hey, we could debate that for another time, but Steph's got to be better. But he's, he's hitting an age, right? He's hitting an age where, you know, uh, you know, post 30 years old, we've seen a lot of the great guards that are diminutive and smaller, like Iverson and those type of guards. They've slowed down considerably. Uh, Steph can't impact the game defensively. Steph can't impact the game with rebounds. Uh, but he can really, you know, shoot the ball. And if he could facilitate a little bit better. And I think they need to get Draymond back. Uh, this is not a playoff team. I predicted that they will not be one. And I think after three games, I think that validates that still early. Uh, but hopefully... Steph stays healthy because people love to see Steph and they love to see the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I know, but it sounds crazy to say this, doesn't it, Pete? Because it's amazing how quickly things can change. Yet, is it going to get to a point where Steph Curry has to ask himself, am I just happy that I had won when I did and I had that little run when we did and now we're just going to be a bad team for the rest of my career? And, you know, we move, they move into San Francisco you know, it's, it's a fair weather situation. They charge a ton of money. Suddenly they won't be as good anymore, even when there's fans back. You know, and it leads me into sort of the Toronto Raptors, too. And it's just it's amazing to me how quickly things can change from basically 18 months ago. You know, the Golden State Warriors were this unbeatable juggernaut to losing to the Toronto Raptors to this past week having the second largest margin uh, deficits through two games in NBA history in which they were just getting murdered and they're not competitive at all. And I look at the Toronto Raptors right now and, you know, you know, Pete, you know this team well, the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, as we call it in the media, the way too early overreactions about basketball teams. But I watched the Raptors play both games and both games, they can't close out. Um, no one, you know, wants that shot. They don't have that just sort of, they seem to be a confused basketball team, and they don't seem to be a team that's having fun. Where's the laughing? Where's the smiling? Where's the, you know, the fun and the joy of the game? And quite frankly, I don't know, like, where's the intensity from the Toronto Raptors? Talk to me about the Raptors through a couple of games. Because it's not just a couple of games. It seems like a lot of this is a carryover from what we saw in the bubble, to be honest. Yeah, I think the main issue with the Raptors, as you said, they've had trouble finishing off games. And I think the, you know, the consistency uh, of this new group playing together, you know, you're implementing Baines and Chris Boucher at the at the at the five where you had Gasol and Ibaka. And Kyle mentioned to, to us post game the. 
you know, and Kyle's very intelligent. He's got a high IQ, and I believe he could be a, a great head coach one day. He said, at this stage right now, your defense should be ahead of your offense. And he said, that's not the case for us right now. We're pretty much even. And I think it's a great point because defensively, the Raptors were the second best team in the NBA last year. And right now, their defense are just giving up threes. They're giving up easy layups. And then their offense is not really clicking specifically late in the game. I think that Siakam is taking too many shots on the perimeter, and he's starting his moves way too far on the three-point line. And that's giving him two, three extra dribbles where he's not finishing. Siakam's got to get closer to the rim, and you got to let Kyle and Fred Van Vliet shoot more from the side or create. I think Ananobi is in a crossroads. They want him to be an offensive player. I don't think he really is. And Nick Nurse kind of called out uh, OG uh, Norman Powell today in the press conference. He told us uh, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good in camp. He hasn't been good in preseason. But he's got the body of work. I, I'm going to be patient with him. They need Powell to get him 15, 16 points a game. Um very early, Gabe, no question about it. Um, but they're going to need more from Kyle offensively uh, if they're going to really want to be an upper echelon team in the Eastern Conference, which I still think they can. But Kyle's going to have to be a bigger scorer because Pascal is still a little bit inconsistent and Fred is not really a 20-point-a-game uh, player. Um, things will be tough for the Raptors this year. They're going to be in a lot of tight games, but I think their defense has to improve. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with everything you stated. They'll be fine, but, you know, there's they need everybody to contribute. And Norman Powell has stepped up with some big playoff performances for them over the years. But quite frankly, he's just been too inconsistent and an underachiever, to be honest. Right. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. to remember that he makes a lot of money. Right. You're not just there to be there. You know, you've got to step up and not just pick and choose oh, every three, four games. Um, will do this, but they've got to be careful. I know it's early in the season, but you look at the Eastern Conference, man, and it's more competitive this year. There's sort of like teams that have been bad for a couple of years that aren't so bad anymore, and nothing comes easy. There's not a lot of free passes in the Eastern Conference anymore, and you don't want to start off. 0-2 can turn into 3-8, and and the Raptors' schedule is pretty tough uh, moving forward. They've got to stop the bleeding as quickly as possible. And talking about some of these improved teams uh, in the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks, who last year there was a lot of hype about the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe it was a little bit premature um, because of the roster that they were putting together on paper and people thought, all right, they can take the next step. It didn't happen for them. The call-in suspension hurt. They had injuries. They never, nothing really came together for them. But I got to tell you, the organization has done a great job, man, building this roster, haven't they? And what I'm very impressed about so far early in the season here, Pete, is Trey Young's shot selection in which he's still putting up big numbers, but he's shooting the ball less. And that's such a positive sign to see this early in the season. Well, it's a great point that you mentioned, and I think that they're surrounding Trey with not only talented players, which they got via the draft, you know, with the Collins and the Hunters and the Cam Reddishes, but now they're surrounded him with proven NBA talent with Gallinari, uh, Bogdanovich, Rajon Rondo, uh, Clint Capella. So if you, this is going to, you know, work together and you can get some good chemistry here, there's no question that Trey Young, I mean, that trade, yes, you know, you got to give it to, to Dallas and Luca, but I think this could be one of those trades where it's pretty even because because Young is an absolute outstanding scorer. He can get his points in the shot anytime he wants. I think Rondo's going to be so 
key, not only for the Hawks, but for Trey's development. And this is a team, Lloyd Pierce, right? You know, he's a coach that that's highly decorated and, um, you know, highly talented. It's his time right now to prove that he can blend all this youth and veteran experience together. I think that the Hawks, I have them, you know, finishing eighth in the East. Uh, the way they're playing right now, if they remain healthy, that could be, they could climb up even higher. But I think for once in a very long time, I know they had some success with Budenholzer when Teague was there and Corver and Millsap. Uh, they, they finished, they had 62 wins. They actually finished first one year, but got swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I think this is a team that's that can build something that's going to be sustainable for a long time. And that is really because of the talent of Trey Young. Well, it was a wild weekend in the NBA, guys. And we joked about Thomas Bryant dunking on his own uh, basket. But how about the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks um, being up by 50 at the half against the Los Angeles Clippers? They're up by 50, 50 at the break, as you mentioned, uh, Luka Doncic. Um, an absolute beatdown uh, right there. You know, it was early. Listen, Kawhi Leonard was out uh, right now, but it shows how dangerous. It, you know, it's it's you know you can't take anything for away from an early game, but it almost just shows number one how dangerous Dallas can be, and number two how inconsistent the Clippers can be. Right? Yeah, I get it. Kawhi Leonard got hit in the mouth. It is what it is, but still, like you know, can you? How do you down by fifty? Like that, that's the largest def, halftime deficit in the history of the NBA. Like, Balmer pays too much money for that to happen. I don't care who's out. No, that's it, it, totally unacceptable, inexcusable uh, to put up 27 points at halftime to be down by 50 points in an NBA game. Um, you know, Ty Lu, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt like he usually gets. Uh, but again, this is a microcosm of, you know, the Doc Rivers, Ty Lu. This is their 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 connection. You know, Lu is making some adjustments, but to be down by 50 points. I like the acumen and the intelligence of this team uh, in the offseason acquisitions. I love Serge Ibaka. I think Kenner is going to be great. Uh, Nicholas Batum is an intelligent player as well. So you're going to see better sauce selection from uh, the Clippers if Paul George and Kawhi are unselfish and want to really move the ball. Um, There's somebody that I think could win the West uh, if everything is clicking, but to lose by, by, by 51 points, but to be down by 50, uh, we understand Christmas Day, they played at Denver, they got in the 26th, you know, kind of midday, got to spend time with their families, and then they had a 12.30 tip-off uh, local time. Um, you're professionals. And Balmer, as you mentioned, pays a lot of money. I was thinking of, can you imagine, you know, if David Blatt was the coach and not Ty Lue <laughs> and this, <laughs> this happened? That's what I thought of right away, right? Blatt got fired in Cleveland yeah. when they were in first place. So let's see what happens. Pete Annapolis with us just for a couple of more minutes uh, here. So, Pete, looking at the top of the standings, it's um, it's refreshing to see uh, Pacers, Cavaliers, Magic, all 3-0. and And I know you watch the Orlando Magic uh, closely. This is a basketball team with some talent, but it's also a basketball team that likes to play together. Nice team chemistry, this team. We've only got a minute or two here, but great start for the Magic. Yeah, they've been playing well, and this is a team that's been, uh, you know, stuck or a little bit in no man's land, right? They finished seventh or eighth. They're not good enough to win a championship, and they're not bad enough where they're going to tank and get a top three or four pick. But Coach Clifford really pushes these guys. I think Aaron Gordon is a time that he's got to step up. He's been playing better. Vucevic is their all-star center. Uh, but I think the key to this team right now has been Mar- Markel Fultz. Uh, he's been outstanding, 26 points last game. He's shooting the ball at a high percentage. He's making good plays. 
plays, he's distributing, he's facilitating. He's my early favorite for most improved player in the NBA. Can you imagine the pressure of uh, being number one pick and being, you know, traded for virtually nothing? Uh, but he's found a good role. Uh, they have some good depth and quality with Terrence Ross off the bench, who they acquired for Sergi Baca. Yeah. Uh, I think Orlando Orlando's going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs again, and they, they they have to make a decision. Do they do they stick to this core, Vucevic and Gordon, Jonathan Isaac's out for the year, but if Fultz is going to give them that type of production, and if he can come close to that talent of being a number one pick, Orlando's going to be really set for success for, for, for a long period of time. Well, since it's the holiday season, let's not be negative, and we're out of time, so we won't get to uh, poor Coach Calipari uh, right now and what's going on <laughs> at Kentucky. But, Pete, uh, you're our main man. It's always a pleasure. Um, happy New Year to, uh, to you and yours. Uh, thanks a lot for taking the, bite, the time to be with us. Hey, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all the best for 2021 game. You're the man. Let's have a great NBA season moving forward. What is the winning edge? It's sports news you can use. And you can only get it right here. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to the source of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. That's the dumbest bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree. Night anger management class winding down with his 180 minutes of sports talk radio. Thanks to all of our guests uh, for throwing it down with us uh, this evening. Uh, we've only got a couple of uh, nights uh, left of uh, late night rage uh, here. The Twisted Tuesday and the Wicked Wednesday. We've got a full house uh, tomorrow. Steve Merrill returns. And uh, it's been a little while, man. Steve hasn't been on in about a week or so. so it's nice to have uh, Steve. It seems like yeah, it's like he hasn't been on forever, but <laughs> he's missed a couple of his appearances due to the holidays. But uh, he's back in the rotation uh, tomorrow and um, you know Steve's going to be great to uh, we'll, we'll go through a bowl blitz tomorrow we'll start to get serious with the bowls talk a lot of NFL football over the last couple of nights and rightfully so uh, but we got all the big bowl games uh, coming up Drew Martin's going to step up and in uh, tomorrow McKinnis on the radar so we got a full house on Tuesday then Wednesday of course Wednesday's always the wild wicked Wednesday we got the raging redhead Cam Stewart uh, Ian Cameron Bob Bano and uh, I think Tony Finn is going to join us on Wednesday as well. That'll be our like uh, pre-New Year's Eve Eve uh, special. So NBA basketball, enjoy the talk as always with Pete Annapolis talking NBA basketball. And man, I left the Blazers on the table uh, this evening. I thought the Lakers were finally due. They're not going to win and cover every game. We were talking about the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, the Raptors are playing the Philadelphia 76ers. And I don't think this is a great spot for the Raptors. You know, it's, it's painful for me to say that the Raptors, you know, oh, yeah, the Raptors are going to win this game as a Raptor fan. But Philadelphia minus two, you know, I think the number's a little short. I'm not going to take it personally, but I'm not ready to step up and take the Raptors until they show me uh, something. But so a team that has showed us something are the Pacers. All right, the Pacers are getting it done. And I don't see a reason why not to take a look at the Pacers. But we'll break down all the NBA on game time decisions tomorrow. 
This college football game is an early start. 5.30 Eastern. Cheese it. Get it ready. The Cheese It Bowl. Oklahoma State of Miami in Orlando. Give me the over. 61 and a half points. Gonna be a ton of points put up on the board in this Cheese It Bowl. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Live on, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.